This is episode six of Ruminate, a podcast about the opportunities and challenges that technology presents us with every day. I'm John Voorhees, and with me is my co-host, Rob Lewis. Hi, Rob. Hi, John. How are you? Very good. What's uh, going on with you today? Um, I've been, <laughs> I've just been busy. Um, you, I had, had work yesterday, and then I was out straight after work, and you know I wanted to get back to do my Apple TV, um, so I was up pretty late doing that. Um, and then I've been out this morning as well. So, uh, so yeah, busy. It's uh, nice, nice to just sit down. Um, how about yeah, you, John? Have yeah. <laughs> you been keeping busy? Uh, very busy. It was crazy at work this week, plus um, both released an Apple TV app as well as an update to Blink. So there was a lot going on for me this week as well. So if we all sound, the two of us sound a little tired, that's probably why, because it's been a crazy week and I just want to lie down. <laughs> well, you know, once this is once this conversation's over, John, we can... <laughs> We can uh, go our separate ways and, and just relax for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That uh, sounds like a plan. Um, well, why don't we dive right into follow-up to start with. And it's funny because right after we recorded uh, last, I guess, two weeks ago, I listened to the talk show uh, John Gruber had Serenity Caldwell of iMore on, and she described exactly your problem with Apple Music. Did you did you listen to it? Uh, yeah, you uh, you texted me to uh, to tell me to listen to it, so I kind of downloaded it and, and skipped to the right bit uh, so I could get to it. And I was kind of just listening to her describing it, and it was just making me so sad because obviously Serenity Caldwell, you know, she investigates this stuff, um, you know, quite a lot, and she was saying, you know if you've already got Apple Music, like basically saying don't turn iTunes Match on, um, which is exactly what I did. Um, I, I, I have managed to recover uh, those files. Now I did have them on uh, on another uh, Mac that I've got in the house. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit sad just listening to uh, somebody describe exactly what I did wrong. Um, and yeah, no. Yeah, that, that, I think that show came out. It might have come out the day before, but neither of us had listened to it yet. And I was just uh, out and about on later in the day, Sunday. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, I got to send this link to Rob. This is exactly what he did. Not that you could fix it at that point, but but uh, if anyone is thinking about turning on iTunes Match, I guess, if, you've, if you're in a, uh, you started your Apple Music free period later and don't like it and don't want to keep it, uh, definitely listen to Serenity first because she's got some um, good tips and goes into the details of how it works and how to how to avoid doing what Rob did. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, another little bit of uh, follow-up, this one, it, uh, related to uh, that we spoke two weeks ago about um, plastic bags and people stealing baskets to, uh, to save on the 5P charge. Uh, I was at my local Tesco and I saw three or four baskets stacked up in the car park um, in the kind of trolley return place. So, you know, I've kind of seen evidence that people genuinely are taking the baskets out of the store um, just so they don't have to pay for the bags. Oh, my. So, yeah, so they are these just like um, the smaller, like plastic baskets as opposed to the, we call them shopping carts, but yeah, like trolleys, right? Uh, yeah, like the handheld kind of, uh, yeah, like a basket uh, kind of thing. Uh, the, the Tesco have metal ones, but, you know, some of the stores do have plastic ones. But yeah, that, that's the kind of thing uh, we're talking about there. Yeah, probably some people take them all the way home, too, and don't leave them in the parking lot. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% sure that's happening. Yeah, huh, interesting. So um, you were at uh, Release Notes uh, probably a couple of weeks ago now, I guess. Um, yeah, well, actually, even not even that long ago. I it was um, driving. I was actually still in Indianapolis a week ago today. Um, I don't even know what day it is. You know, oh, it's October thirty first. I should know that. It's my anniversary. <laughs> don't tell my wife. Don't don't tell my wife. Um, yes, I was in Indianapolis for Release Notes. I went uh, two Wednesdays ago. Um, left around noon. 
they had a, uh, a an opening reception and keynote that night that was um, done by Mike Hurley, which was excellent. I really enjoyed his his talk. Um, and then there were there were two days of talks: a full day on Thursday, a full day on Friday. Um, and it, it was really fantastic. It was a well, really well run conference. It's done by the guys who do the release notes podcast, um, Charles Perry and Joe Chaplinski. It's a great podcast. If you're interested in the business side of iOS and Mac development, uh, definitely recommend the podcast, but I recommend the, uh, the conference even, even more highly because it was, it was really nice to get together with a, a small group of people. There were about 150 attendees. So it was really easy to get to know people and mingle and talk to a lot of new people. Yeah, that sounds sounds really good. I mean, 150 is uh, that's you know it's relatively small for for this type of conference. Um, so what um, what about the talks? Obviously, you said about uh, Mike Hurley's talk. Uh, you had uh, da- David Smith uh, underscore was talking as well. There was a few others. Yep, yep. There was uh, so Mike opened it up and kind of told the story of um, where where he's come from and where you know where Relay came from. Uh, you know, it's been about a year, I guess, since he quit his day job and went full time at relay and a little longer than that since they started relay. But you know that, and that's probably where most people know Mike and Stephen Hackett from, but you know, both of them had years and years of, of hard work that led up to that. And I think, and so Mike's was kind of a story for him personally as to, you know, where he came from uh, when he started back with his 70 decibels podcasting network. And actually before that, before he even called it a network when he just had a couple of shows, um, through the, his years at five by five and the founding of, of, um, of relay FM. So that was uh interesting, interesting talk. And then underscore did a really good one about what is your call? The title of it was, what is your superpower? And it was really about figuring out what's unique about you and what can you, what can you do to leverage that uniqueness, uh, into success in business. Uh, but there were a lot of other, there were a lot of other good talks too. uh, Rob Ryan, from Martian craft was there. He did one on some nuts and bolts of accrual versus cash accounting, which is a, he, he actually took a very, what is a pretty dry topic and made it entertaining. Um, Gene McDonald did a talk about, uh, marketing your apps through podcasts, which I found very interesting. Um, anybody wants to sponsor our show, get in touch. Uh, and then Jim Dalrymple closed the the festivities with a very funny talk about, about, um, fear and, and bad decisions and talked a little bit about how, when he started the loop insight, it was full of blinky ads and, and other things that were, were uh, a really bad user experience and how he kind of overcame that and, and, uh, built the loop into what it is today. So the talks were, were very good, but I think even better than the talks was just the opportunity to, meet a lot of people. One, one thing they did was a, something they called the dine around on Thursday night where groups of about 12 or so, um, were kind of, were selected by the people at the conference, um, to go out to dinner together at a local restaurant. So we went out into downtown Indianapolis and took over, I don't even know, probably at least 10 restaurants in the immediate area around the hotel and conference center, um, and got to, just have a nice casual dinner with a bunch of interesting people. Um, Peter, my, my group included uh, Peter Olmvi, who makes the Sketch app, which is a um, you know vector drawing graph uh, app that a lot of designers and developers use to make um, assets for their applications. 
um, as well as just a bunch of other people who have got you know one or two apps or or doing consulting work um, from all over the country and and really all around the world because Peter's from uh, from Amsterdam. So that was uh, it was a lot of fun. That um, <clears throat> yeah, the uh, the dinner thing sounds you know like a really good idea actually. Um, you know, I can see how that uh, you know kind of brings you to chat to some people that maybe you wouldn't have spoken to otherwise because you know it's, it's kind of difficult at a conference you kind of chat start chatting to the people that you already know and it's easy to kind of get caught up in only talking to those people um so yeah the, the dinner dinner idea sounds sounds fantastic yeah it did it, it worked really well because you know it's just kind of human nature i think you you know you're in the middle of these talks you have maybe 15 minutes to a half an hour between them when you can mingle and and uh, and talk to people, which is great. But then everybody kind of goes back to where they started the day sitting. So you end up sitting at a table with, you know, usually the same people, not always. And people I think did a pretty good job of mixing it up during the course of the day. Um, but it did a even better job of, you know, getting people out. And, and actually all the, I think every single person who was at the table, I went to dinner with were people who I had not yet met at that point. And that was Thursday night. Um, and it, it ended on Friday late, uh, in the day. Um, but I stuck around till about Saturday at noon and, and went out to dinner Friday night with a group of people who I'd met while I was there. And, um, it was a great time. And, uh, you know, it was easy for me. It's only a three hour drive from where I live. So nice to not have to hop on a plane for once for one of these type things. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's about it. I mean, I, one thing I thought we also should talk about today are the, um, third-party watch bands because i saw on twitter that you were posting some pictures of some watch bands that you got you got like a sports band and a cuff right uh yeah i bought a um so little bit of kind of backstory on it when they announced the is it pronounced hermes i think it's i think it's pronounced like that but you know we'll we'll carry on um no no, it works for me yeah when they announced that at the uh at the keynote, the uh, Hermes had the the three different uh, bands they were releasing. There was the the tour, I think, the double tour, and the Cuff. And, and the Cuff um, looked like a really nice band. Um, of course, they only sell it, uh, you know, with an Apple Watch. Uh, so there was no way for me to um, buy one for my watch. No, of course, it probably would have been crazy expensive anyway. Um, so I'd, I'd kept an eye on eBay because I know there's a lot of. Um, a lot of Chinese manufacturers that that build kind of replicas of these things, and uh, eventually, I've, uh, one of the cuffs uh, popped up on eBay, and it was uh, twenty pound, I think. And the seller had um, also had uh, sport bands for five pounds and a black Milanese loop uh, kind of replica for for twenty pound as well. So I ordered those three, um, and I've had those probably about a week or so, and I've been been testing them out. So what do you? Um... Let me ask you, I guess, first about the sports band. How does that, um, how does that one look, kind of compare to you, your um, regular sports band that you have? Yeah, so I got the the, the blue one, um, and in terms of color, um, it, the, the match is is kind of perfect. I, I don't think um, just at a glance you, you'd know any different, um, and it, it's clearly built to be exactly the same as the Apple one. Like the holes are all in the same place. It. it it feels mostly the same um it, the the apple ones are a little bit feel a little bit sturdier uh maybe a little bit thicker um and, and i've been wearing that uh for the for the most part um over the other two and it, it you know it's it's been pretty good um there's a little bit on the uh where you slide it in to the watch um it's maybe a little bit more loose than uh than one of apple's ones but you know it, it still feels pretty secure um you know so for five pound it's it is pretty good. 
Yeah, no, definitely. That's a that's a, that's a lot cheaper. How many? Uh, how much do the regular sports bands cost, pounds wise? I mean, I know they're fifty do- fifty dollars here. Uh, I think they're forty pounds uh, here. So you know, for it, for five pound for something that's that's pretty close to it is 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 pretty good. Yeah, no, that's really that's. Uh... It seems like a really good good option if people want to check it out. I haven't done that yet. I did buy um, an Apple one not long before I went to release notes, an orange one matching my orange case, which is kind of fun. And it's Halloween today. Maybe I'll wear my orange one. I got to go dig it out. I, th- I think I misplaced it. I think it might be, I don't know, I'm probably in my suitcase still. But yeah, I'm not very good about unpacking. Um, so I might wear that today. How about the, um, the the cuff? So how's the like the quality of the leather and everything? it's it's not great um i I mean i wasn't expecting you know uh you know a high luxury uh kind of band but it 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 really it feels cheap um and 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 i think the milanese uh kind of has the same problem they they both um they both just feel cheap uh the the milanese the actual the material is is fairly nice but the the edges are a little bit sharp not 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 so sharp that they would cut you but it rubbed when I, I was i think i wore it for like two days to kind of try it out and, and it it wasn't great um the the hermes the hermes cuff kind of replica um I, it really just it, it just didn't work for me um i, I kind of tried it on and i found found it a bit com- bit uncomfortable um because i had to wear the watch a little bit further up my arm because of the extra extra material on the band um right so yeah th- neither of those were particularly good um I think uh, Mike Mike Hurley said about this on uh, an episode of Upgrade recently that he's just going to stick to uh, sport bands, and I think, to be honest, I'm going to do the same. I mean, the sport bands are just so comfortable um, that I, I'm just not willing to to switch to something else. I don't think. Yeah, no, they're really comfortable, and they're also uh, they're also just uh, real versatile because, especially if you get, I don't know, I mean, they, you can find one that kind of goes with whatever outfit or occasion you're you're going to, and they're comfortable. Uh, you can exercise in them. Um, they don't, as far as I can tell, they're virtually indestructible. I haven't had any issue with my black one that I've had since day one. So, um, it'll be interesting to see with a colored one, like the orange one, whether that starts looking worn or dirty at some point, but, uh, so far it's fine, but I've only worn it maybe a total of a few days at this point. Yeah. See, I I do have the, um, I think it was a pink they originally did uh, with the first yeah. release. Now, I had one of those as well that I've had pretty much from launch. Um, and I've probably worn it about 50% of the time um, in rotation with my black one. And it, it, it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't particularly look worn or, or, you know, dirty or anything like that. I mean, it, you know, if it does get dirt on it, it's just, you know, uh, a damp cloth kind of cleans it up and, and it looks good as new. Right. Right. All right. Well, that's good. Well, you know, we are, we also probably ought to just move on at this point, unless you had anything else about the um, the bands and talk a little bit about Apple TV, because I know we're both pretty excited about that. Uh, yeah, I think we should probably move on to that, because uh, I think we've, we've both got a lot to say about uh, about the new Apple TV. So um, I guess I, I want, probably want to start with you, John, because you, although we haven't uh, mentioned it, because you know, you've been keeping quiet uh, because of the NDA, but you've had uh, one of the developer kits, uh, you were in the first round, is that right? Yeah, we we were, and we so we've had it for about six weeks. Um, and there really until until a day ago, there wasn't a whole lot to say about it because um, you know the developer kits didn't have any of the third party apps on them. So you had 
um, movies, TV shows, you know, you the, basically iTunes video, you had music, um, photos, just the, the built-in stuff. Um, and test flight at one point that showed up so that you could test other people's apps. But the problem was these were all in the hands of develop developers. So unless you knew a developer that was um, developing a, an Apple TV app, you didn't have a chance to really try that out. Although I did at the, towards the very end earlier this week, um, get a, a pre-release copy of PCalc to try out, uh, which is a calculator app. That's fantastic by James Thompson. Uh, and I, it was, it's, it's, I don't know that I have a big need for a calculator on a television, but it's a very well done app. Um, really enjoyed testing it out. I think he did a really nice job with the adapting the, um, the UI to the, the television set. So yeah, I've had it and I've known about one of the big issues that we'll talk about, which is the lack of search across all of the services, the lack of Siri search in particular. Um, the very early unit, the very first beta that I, we had didn't, I don't think even had typing, typing search for music. It only had, um, you know, you were only able to navigate what was in the UI. Um, you can search music now by typing in, um, the characters using the remote, but, um, that's super tedious and not a great way to find what you're looking for. Now, Apple, I think has said that they're bringing that later. They're bringing Siri search to music. So that'll be a welcome addition. Um, I guess focus, do you want to focus on the hardware first or um, what do you want to talk about? Well, I think seeing as you've brought it up, um, with, with Siri search, I think it, it, um, kind of leads in nicely to one of the biggest issues. I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get onto the niceties of, of the Apple TV in a minute, but I think one of the biggest problems, and I think everyone's going to find this is, is typing on any input. I mean, you know, most apps are going to have some kind of search input. Um, you know, you've got settings, you've got password things, and and I think there's two things that have, that have gone wrong um, here. I, the iOS remote app has not been updated to support the new Apple TV. So there's no way to use a keyboard to type, um, you know, into an input, maybe an email address, or you're trying to search for a TV show or a movie or something like that. So there's no way to do that with a keyboard, which is just so, so infuriating. Um, and of course, you, you mentioned Siri search. Um there's no way to dictate to an input box either, which seems like that would be a perfect fit for something, you know, like Siri, where you could just say agents of shield and it will just put that into the input box and it will find that TV show for you. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I assume you've probably had very similar experience to me. Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time playing around with Siri search when I first got the box. And I mean, I think just to, roll back and focus on what they, what has gone right. I think the Siri search is excellent. I mean, it's, it does a fantastic job of finding what you're looking for. Um, the problem is, is that it's so good that it, when you don't have it, you really feel it. And as you said, there's no good way to input text. Um, so it works great when you're trying to find a movie and even in music, there's some things you can do. And, and I think this is tied to the accessibility features. So if you're in music, you can say things like, play, pause. Um, I don't think next track works because it doesn't understand what a track is because that's a contextual thing with music. Um, but there, if there are commands you can do with music that would also work, um, for television shows or, or movies, those will work in the music. Um, but, but that's all, and it's very limited. Um, and you know, this, the Siri search is, you know, you can do as, as a demo to when they announced it, you can say, show me, 
I don't know, show me uh, comedies starring um, um, Neil Patrick Harris or something like that, and it'll it'll bring up all the shows that have him. But if you try to search for music and say, show me Taylor Swift, um, it'll bring up Taylor Swift videos, but it won't bring up any music. Um, and there's going to, it's, it's going to have to have an awareness of context, I think, um, in order to get that right more times than not. So if you're in the music app, it only should, it strikes me. You should only be searching music. If you're in the video, a videos app, you should only be searching the videos. Um, you know, the, right now what, what's been implemented is the universal search that searches across all the services, which is great for video. But once you throw things like music in the mix, um, it's could It could start getting confusing how you organize it. Um, I guess you could return results in categories like music, video, you know, TV shows, movies, that sort of thing. Um, but that, that might, there might be some challenges there as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I'm sure that Apple have, well, one, you know, heard about this from, from customers in the last day. But, you know, I, I'm sure they're working on it. And, uh, you know, I've got faith that they'll, at least if nothing else, uh, you know, update the remote app um, to allow kind of keyboard input. And, and, and as you say, maybe some more um, Siri understanding context a little bit better in, in terms of what you're doing um, to be able to, as you say, search in music when you're in music or and, and that kind of thing. So... Yeah, I've been really happy with it overall. I mean, I think it's a great start. I do think it is an oversight not to have the remote app ready to go. Um, but there are a lot of little, I think there's a lot of little software things that we're going to talk about that are very 1.0 and need a little refinement. But I think at its core, it, all, it works very well. And it's, um, I've been pretty pleased with it. Um, I, it's funny, though, without the third-party apps, we had not been using it a whole lot as, as an Apple TV at our house because, I mean, one of the things we use an awful lot on Apple TV is Netflix and we just didn't have that available. So we've had it set up in our basement down here where I'm podcasting right now. And, um, you know, I'd watched a couple shows on it, listened to some music, fiddled around with it, but mostly it just sat there. And when, you know, Owen was working on his King me checkers app, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, we just hook, hook up his laptop to the Apple TV and that's what it was for. It was really just a development box more than anything else for us. Yeah, it's interesting that um, I think it's a much better, much um, better experience now that when you turn it on, you don't have things like Netflix and HBO and and you know NFL and all of these other apps that were kind of pre-installed. Um, you know, you really can just choose what it is that you want, download the apps. You don't have to have anything extra that you that you really don't need. Yes, people will be complaining very soon that there aren't folders, is my prediction, because if they download enough apps, it starts getting a little crowded on the screen to scroll through it all. But you can organize them, you can move them around. You have long, if you, I think it's long press on the play button that starts them wiggling like on a, on a phone or an iPad, and then you can move them around to different locations on the screen, which is nice. Um, what do you think of the hardware? Like, what do you think of the remote? Uh, the remote's nice. Um the it, it's nice to have the, the you know the trackpad at the top there i think that takes a little bit of getting used to um and something that i found that that improved it was going into the settings and putting the sensor sensitivity up to fast um that kind of tended to reflect more what i was expecting to see on the screen when i swiped um yeah yeah that was a real big challenge in in developing for it because there's a real disconnect between what you're doing on the remote and the tv you know because you're not manipulating the device itself i mean there's the you're looking at a screen and moving your thumb around on a on a remote control that's very small compared to the television set so it can be very hard to kind of dial in um how you're going to set that sensitivity when you're doing an app yeah definitely one of the other uh 
things that I found with the remote, which is just fantastic for me, is um, I managed to set it up so that the volume will adjust my my speakers because um, I have extra, you know, I have external speakers to my. I don't use my TV speakers, um, so now you know once I've turned the TV on um, because I don't have CEC support on my TV, I can't turn it on with the Apple TV remote, um, but I can at least pause and play which i could do before but i can also adjust the volume without having to get the the remote for the speakers as well um which is just just makes the experience infinitely better to be to be able to do that yeah i did the same thing and it's really nice it's definitely a nice feature one thing i noticed too which um i haven't seen mentioned very many places is that um, we had a, we had, we weren't using our old, for our old Apple TV, we weren't using the remote anymore. We had programmed in, you know, the IR codes into a, a universal remote, a Logitech universal remote. And, um, that remote still works with the existing Apple TV. It does have an IR sensor. And while you can't swipe, you can use, you know, like a directional pad, play, pause, all that stuff. Um, it all still just works, which is, is nice if all you're doing is, you know, navigating around to Netflix um, and starting up a movie or something and not playing the game. Yeah, it's nice to just kind of have, uh, you know, one remote to do, you know, multiple things. I mean, to be honest, I'm now considering buying a new TV that's got CEC support. Um, I think it's CEC, it's called, um, so that I can turn my TV on with the Apple TV remote uh, just to make that even easier. I've heard that's very um, spotty and how well it works. Because did you hear, uh, they talked about it on ATP a couple of times, and, and including the most recent episode, uh, because they, they pointed out um, that in, I think it was Walt Mossberg's review that was on The Verge, or or no, no, it wasn't on The Verge, it was on The Recode. And um, and he said that that worked for him for the first couple of days and then just stopped working altogether. Yeah, it, do, it does concern me. I mean, it's not something I'm kind of, um, you know, actively seeking out. Um, but I think if I do buy a new TV anytime soon, I'll at least try to find one that has that um, has that feature. Um, so you, we've, we've mentioned it a couple of times, um, but you know, I'd like to talk about it. And I'm, I'm sure you would as well. You, you and, uh, your son Owen have released, uh, King me on, on the Apple TV. Uh, how, how's that been uh, on the release? Uh, it was, it, it's been pretty cool. I mean, this is all Owen. I did, I did not develop this one at all myself, although I helped with a lot of the, uh, in the last, the last stages of de- development kind of working with him on some of the 3d modeling and, and figuring out the UI and the lighting. Cause it's all done in scene kit, which is kind of a 3d API for doing things like games, um, in Coco. And, uh, he built, he didn't use any of the built in focus or other special APIs that they have for the, the Apple TV. He kind of built it from the ground up. Um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's, been really nice. I mean, the hard thing is that it's hard to find because the search on the Apple store or the Apple TV store is, is awful, um, at the moment, but, uh, getting, putting the, uh, the app together was good. He used, you know, as I said, he used SingKit. Um, it was very busy while I was down in Indianapolis because that's when they, they announced that they were taking developer submissions and we were working with, um, Frank towers at that point to help with putting together the icon and the top shelf image. Um, top shelf images are huge. Uh, you know, if you put your app in the top row and then you select it, you get this big image that takes up about two thirds of your television, um, or at least a half top half of your television. Uh, and Frank did amazing job, um, coming up with an icon and a top shelf image and it looks fantastic. And I think it really stands out well in the store. 
Um, but it was, it was hard to get the re I think the reason you see there's, I think it's been estimated there's maybe a thousand apps on the Apple TV store right now. And one reason there's not more is that people just didn't have that much time. And we had about six weeks and, and Owen cranked it out, um, and got it just barely done in time. Uh, and it was approved just, you know, uh, I guess the day before the store went live or two days before the store went live. Uh, so that was, that was a fairly intense few weeks, especially at the very end there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 genuinely is um, impressive. I mean, you you can tell Owen that uh, from me. I, you know, it was the once I installed the Apple TV and, and got it all set up, um, it was the first thing that I installed because you'd uh, very kindly given me a promo code, so it was already in my purchased uh, list. And um, and yeah, me and my girlfriend we we sat there and we played a game. Um, I, I can I can definitely see the value in if nothing else, getting a controller so we don't have to keep. Um, you know, passing the uh, the remote back and forth. Um, but in terms of you know gameplay and, and design, as you say, Frank did an amazing job with the the icon and stuff. Um, you know, it's genuinely genuinely is a good game. Um, I would say we'll put a link in the show notes, but we can't because <laughs> links don't go anywhere to Apple TV apps. Um, so if you search for King Me in the uh, in the App Store, you you should be able to find it. Yeah, the K the K category is fairly fairly small. You can even just type in K and then scroll through. But um, if you get to like K I N or so, it 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 at least at the moment it uh, filters it down well enough that you can you'll spot it right off because it's the icon is a big uh, a profile of a, a big red checker with King Me in the uh, the King Me words right in the in the center. Um, so yes, it is just a traditional check checkers game. Um, it was really interesting going from a prototype that was had very simple graphics to coming up with 3D models. Um, we actually bought a 3D checker um, from a stock 3D, uh, I guess, 3D image, um, you know, stock photo website, which was new experience for me. Um, and then a lot of the sound effects were recorded with this microphone that I'm podcasting with, except for when you get uh, kinged. If you get across the board and, and your your piece is kinged, uh, we did also purchase a some fanfare, so you get a little little trumpet fanfare when you do that, and a, and a, a little a banner that that pops up. Um, and those were all things that were kind of done at the very last minute because um, it took a long time just to get the gameplay right. Um, moving around the board was a little hard to get right um, with the small remote. Um, going diagonally is very difficult, uh, and we tried a lot of different things, and and uh, I think we got, I think Owen got the gameplay pretty, got it right, but um, it was kind of, that was probably the biggest challenge in, in putting the app together. Yeah, that was one of the um, the, the issues uh, when we were playing it, and I don't think it's, you know, it's not just a, a King Me exclusive uh, issue. I mean, it, I think it genuinely, it, it is just an issue across the across the Apple TV is that, you know, the, the trackpad is nice for a lot of things, you know, for swiping through a grid and things like that, but I feel like there's still something nice about having the physical kind of, uh, you know, left, right, up, down, of the old Apple TV remote. Um, I mean, I guess maybe I could try that next time I play it. I'll grab the other remote uh, from the old Apple TV and, you know, my girlfriend can use that one and I'll use the uh, the, the new one and uh, maybe that'll work. 
Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know if that works. But we did get a um, controller last night, and it does work with the controller. It needs to be. I think it needs to be tuned a little bit to. I think we can take advantage of some some of the features of a controller uh, for if people use uh, use the game with that. And so that Owen's going to be working on that. But it does the basics do work, which is good. Um, yeah, it's it's um, what one thing you can do is you know you, there there are really three ways to move around. Well, three inputs. There's click, which is pressing down until you get the physical click, and it's a mechanical click. It's not like force touch. Or you can swipe, um, which is, I think, what the natural inclination to do is when you're playing a game like checkers. Um, but it's also very imprecise, and that's where like doing diagonals is very difficult. I mean, I've gotten good at it because I was helping test the app for so long. But even with building in a lot of forgiveness for the angle at which your thumb's moving, um, it can be still kind of hit or miss as to get whether you get to exactly where you want. The easiest way really is to just do taps because you can tap left, right, up, down on the remote and do as you said, which is the you know moving in the X and Y or um, you know along those axes. So you can tap you know two to two to the left, two up, and that takes you to the uh, you know I- spot. You're blowing my mind, John. I didn't know you could tap on the on the uh, on the touchpad. I- yeah, you can. You just you just tap it instead of pressing down, and it it, it it does. Once you get used to it, it works. It works a little better than um, the swiping. I think even when you're just on the main screen and moving from app to app, because I find that swiping, I overshoot it a lot of the times. I, on that would have been significantly uh, more useful last night, but that is uh, that's a, a good tip. Actually, I did not know that. Um, and on the the topic you, you mentioned the fanfare um when a piece is kinged in the app this is just a, a great moment in the game when that happens and the, the music and the icon kind of you know uh you know swipes into the screen that that really was a a, a nice touch and that that's um you know a, just a genuinely nice um piece of kind of design to to see well, thanks. That was, um, you know, that was a suggestion from Frank. I and mean, Frank has a great instinct for UI and, and, and user experience. And, and he actually came up, he suggested the name, so he gets uh, credit for that as well. Um, it's always nice having him involved in a project because he always comes up with some nice little touches that are the, the, the little bits that take it to the, take it beyond where it is and makes it actually an enjoyable product. And since this was our first game, um, it was uh, it was just really nice to have him involved and and you know add that little bit of flair at the end that that makes it a, a more enjoyable game. Yeah, definitely, it, it definitely shows that you know you you've had the input from somebody. You know, Frank really has got a, you know an eye for these touches. Um, so we we've talked you know about King Me and we've kind of mentioned a couple of different apps. Um, I should probably mention a uh, a kind of side project of mine uh, that I've done. I've uh, atvapps.net. Um, it's a, a Tumblr blog where I'm going to be, or I have started already, kind of posting um, not necessarily, you know, the most popular apps, but kind of interesting apps that show up and, and, and ones that, you know, maybe aren't featured or you maybe haven't heard of before. Um, so, yeah, w- if you go to atvapps.net or we're at uh, underscore atvapps on Twitter, um, I'm, I'm kind of posting a few different apps there. Yeah, I thought that was a brilliant idea. I mean, and it's turned out to be even more valuable than, I mean, when we first talked about it, I thought, oh, this is great because there's just nothing like this. Um, but then it turns out that the, the search is so difficult on the Apple TV that having a site like that is great. The only limitation, which is through no no fault of your own, is that you can't link, link people to a store where they can go buy this stuff. At best, you, you're, you can link, I guess, if they're universal apps, you can link to the store because they'll be in the iOS 
um, you know, I guess, I don't even know what they would call it now. I guess just the regular app store, um, or the developer's website. Like as we, when we talked about King me, I mean, it's very been super frustrating for me to be there on day one and not have, uh, King me be discoverable because it's not on the front page and it's not likely to be on the front page. And I, I just know from using it myself that, there's a lot of friction to going in and searching for something. And I, I just think the majority of people are going to scroll around that front page and not even realize that there are other apps on the store besides those, whatever it is, maybe 50 or so they're showing. Yeah, Devin, I mean, the, the way I kind of, um, maybe we'll talk about what apps we've, in, we've installed in a, in a minute, but, um, you know, the way I found some of the apps that I've installed, I went through and searched for every single letter of the alphabet and i would you know do a scroll through the list get to b scroll through the list um you know and, and to the best of my knowledge i have looked at every single app that's in the store um and and you know i, I don't think a lot of people are going to do that because it's a frustrating experience again with the input and the text and stuff um right and that's going to work for a little while like it did when the uh, you know the app store first launched when there's a finite number of of apps but that's not going to that's not going to last i mean before long there will be you know instead of being a thousand apps there'll be tens of thousands of apps and you'll never be able to, to really accomplish that um and I, I i felt the frustration just the other day because i was following the twitter account that you set up for atvapps.net and i saw one that i wanted to download but you know i wasn't home i was out, i was in chicago and i could make you know set myself a reminder for when you get home go and search for this because <laughs> rob rob linked to it but you know i don't have any way to take that link and buy it on my phone and have it just show up on my apple tv when i get home or something like that yeah i've tried started it i've included um itunes links on uh on any of the posts where i can um you know if those itunes links are available um, in the yeah. hope that maybe web previews or buying in iTunes will appear at some point, um, you know. But right now, it, it doesn't look like that's happening. Um, so, what um, what apps have you installed then, John? Um, I mean, I know you've been playing a few games, um, and obviously, you've yeah, got yeah, the controller as well. Right, um, right, right. Right before I get to that, though, I mean, one thing that's really interesting is I have a link. I have an iTunes link to my, to King Me. They are in iTunes Connect, and I originally put them on the Squibner.com website. Uh, but what they do is they open up, they open up iTunes and give you an, gives, and then it gives you an error. So I took those all down. I assumed that they were going to go live um, when the store went live, but they haven't gone live yet. I'm hoping that there's that's still going to happen because I don't, I, you know, why else would they give you a link that opens up iTunes? And as you know, you can um, you can redeem promo codes through iTunes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that works perfectly. As, as I said, you gave me a promo code for King Me um, probably three or four days ago. And, you know, I redeemed it in the in the in iTunes on the Mac. It redeemed. Um, I did check the, the files and it definitely didn't download the app anywhere. It's not backing them up in iTunes or anything like that. But when I got to purchase on the Apple TV, there it was. So there's obviously some mechanism in the App Store to be able to do that. Um, but there's just no UI to to reflect it. Yeah, I haven't seen whether this is st it's still doing this um, since the store launched, but I did give a promo code to one person who redeemed it on their iPad and it installed King Me on their iPad, <laughs> <laughs> which didn't work. I mean, the app didn't work, and there was it was a blank icon because it's a different you know different size icon than than um, this compatible with an ipad and it had you know the, the person had to delete it and then i think actually restart their ipad in order to get it to dis for the icon to disappear um, which 
You would have thought maybe somebody would have thought of that, but <laughs> it is iOS, so I guess it can be installed on an iPad, maybe. Um, you would think there'd be a flag in there or something to stop that. But um, So talking about apps, let's see. Um, I think I already mentioned I have PCalc, which is James Thompson's uh, ubiquitous Cal uh, calculator app, which is just everywhere. Uh, he's got it on, you know, on the Mac and iOS, um, iPad and iPhone. Uh, and it's a great calculator app and it's, uh, there's a basic version of it for Apple TV. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's well designed. It works well. Um, I don't have a ton of uses for a calculator, but when I do, there it is. Um, then last night, uh, the last two nights, I've downloaded, you know, we did what you did, I think, is we went through our purchase tab first and looked and see to see what was in there. And there was a bunch of games that are universal with things we already had on iOS. So we downloaded those. Um, and that includes you know, Alto's Adventure, Cannibalt, Crossy Road, Asphalt 8, um, those those games. Um, and uh, they're, they're, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy the games. Uh, I think things like, you know, Crossy Road, Cannonball, and Alto's Adventure all share a super simple game mechanic. And I think that kind of s a simple input makes a big difference for a game like this. These are, you know, these aren't games that are going to take over the console world, world or anything, but it is kind of fun to have them in your living room and just, you know, play a casual game from time to time. Uh, playing Asphalt 8, though really made me want to get a controller, which I did do last night, which we can talk about in a little bit. But, um, you know, the it, Asphalt 8 uses the gyroscope in the in the remote, and you can hold it sideways and, and steer that way. But the thing is so small and light that it's a really, I don't know, it, it's definitely a lacking, you know, lacking in terms of the experience. I didn't like it at all. Uh, and the controller is much better for games like that. Yeah, I thought the same thing, actually, uh, with, with Asphalt, um, because I, I felt like, especially on kind of tight corners and things, it was very difficult to uh, kind of keep the remote in balance. Um, and you mentioned uh, Crossy Road. I, I had played that uh, a while ago on, on a TV because uh, it comes with the uh, Fire TV stick, uh, I believe. Um, oh, okay. And, and, so, and like you say, I kind of had the same reaction where I was like, well, I'm probably not going to sit here and play this for five hours. Um, but you know, it is fun to, um, you know, just to jump up a fun little game like that, play it for 10 minutes or, or, you know, even an hour. Um, you know, it, it, it is nice to, uh, to see these apps, um, you know, on the TV. Have you seen any word games? Like, I mean, I know, I doubt letterpress is going to come to this because I don't know that that's being actively developed right now, but any kind of, you know, word games like, uh, with tiles or anything like that. Cause it seems to me that might be a natural fit. Yeah. I did think that I, I didn't see anything. Um, I'll be honest. I, I kind of ignored, um, some apps that, that just looked like they had kind of terrible icons and, and kind of didn't look very good. Um, but I certainly didn't see anything, um, you know, like a words with friends or, um, you know, something similar like that. I certainly haven't right. seen anything like that yet on the store. Yeah. It seems to me that's a, there's an opportunity for that there. Um, and I guess you've, you've downloaded, a, looks, I'm looking at your list in our show notes. It looks like you've downloaded a lot. Um, I see up next in there. Did you get that working? Uh, yeah, I did actually. I, I had a little bit of a problem. I'm not, not really sure, um, quite what happened. I, I have emailed the, the developers and, um, and let them know what happened, but, um, there's a there's a couple of little things in the ui where if you've already added a show it doesn't uh, indicate that to you and i'd added a show three times by accident um and then, oh. so then when i tried to delete the show um 
it, it would just crash the app. Um, so I actually had to go into my iCloud management and delete the data and, and, and start again. But yeah, up next is a, a kind of a, a TV tracking app. Um, it will give you a, a schedule of, of the shows that you watch that are coming up next, um, hence the name, uh, which is quite nice. Um, Simplex is the, the Plex client. I think we've mentioned this a couple of times uh, on, on the show. And I've used quite a lot of different uh, kind of Plex clients. I've used, you know, the Mac one, and I've, I've tried, a, I think it was the Apple TV jailbreak one a while ago. Um, you know, there's an iPhone version. Simplex is incredibly fast and so, so good. Um, I don't, I feel like this is maybe a combination of, you know, it just being a few years since I've used a, a Plex client because um, I've been using uh, Kodi recently. Um, and just the you know the Apple TV just just being so good, um, but this really is a, a fantastic Plex client. Um, if you're the kind of person you know that, that uh, needs needs a Plex client for the Apple TV, yeah, it looks like your list here. I, I uh, I've tried a couple of these other ones too. I did try Speed Test, which is it's nice. I mean, works works as advertised. Tells you how fast your connection is to the internet. Um, do you have your your Apple TV hooked up to Ethernet cable? That's what i did uh yeah yeah i've got i've got it hooked up uh so ethernet so i've got cables all going around the back of my tv um for all my various boxes but yeah um as you say speed test is nice um if nothing else just to to know you're definitely getting you know what you would expect um to the device um a couple of other ones uh mashable um i didn't really see a lot of mention of this um but i saw on the store um, and this kind of has all their, uh, you know, video reviews and, and uh, introductions and uh, to various different products and stuff. And it was actually where I watched the uh, Christina Warren's review uh, of the Apple TV. I watched it in the Mashable app on the Apple TV, um, which was quite nice. Oh, that's interesting. I'll have to check that out. I, didn't, I hadn't run across that one yet. Yeah, and the only other one, um, I didn't particularly find anything... Um, that I hadn't already heard of while I was searching. Uh, there was one though, Public Domain Movies, um, is quite interesting. Uh, this this is an app that is uh, kind of a directory of uh, all these films, um, you know, from the 30s and 40s that have kind of hit. Uh, they're they're out of their copyright. Uh, I don't know what you'd right. call it, um, but you know, they're, they're public domain. You know, you don't need any copyright to show them or download them or anything. Um, and I kind of had a little, little uh, look through, and there's quite a lot of movies on there. Um, so if you're, you know, into uh, kind of old old movies like that, uh, that, that, you know, there's quite a lot of content in there to um, to take a look at. So does it stream, or do you download it, or how does it work? It, it, it streams by the looks of it. Um, that I, I tried a couple um, just to see how it works, and it looked like it was streaming. Um, I've been checking out my storage on the Apple TV every now and again just to see what's going on um, because I bought 32 because I I just couldn't uh, see a reason for 64. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to be streaming uh, from that particular app. How does your How is your storage looking? Because we got a 32 also. I mean, that's what the, what the developer kits were. Um, so really, wasn't any choice there. And we, I can't say that we've downloaded a lot of apps yet, but um, storage seems to be fine so far. Yeah, I mean, it has been for me as well. Um, I mean, I think the only thing, only app that I've really had that's downloading anything in the background or you know uh, after the fact is uh is asphalt um and that downloads the, the tracks as you play them um and to be honest for me that's been fine um but i do know that uh you know i'm quite lucky to have uh particularly fast internet where i am because i'm quite close to the uh to the exchange so i i get 
you know, significantly good, better um, internet connection than a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, Asphalt's the only one that I've seen that's actually been downloading content um, in the background on top of its, you know, 200 meg uh, limit to begin with. Yeah, that's the only one I've noticed as well. And it's, um, you know, it's, it, as you said, I mean, it's not, it, when it downloads a track, it's not that bad, although I'm getting 80 megabytes down. So, you know, I, it, it doesn't take that long. Yeah, it sounds like your internet's uh, very similar to mine, but I have seen a few people tweet in that, you know, the tracks are taking a minute or even two to download um, on their internet connection, which I can imagine is significantly more frustrating, um, you know, than what we've been used to on iOS and, you know, even on the Mac and, and game consoles and stuff where you just download the whole game and, and you know, you're ready to go. Yeah, I have noticed that uh, video starts up very, very fast, especially the Netflix app. Um, you know, there used to be, you used to have to wait for a while while a spinner while it buffered, and you, you had a spinner for a while before some show would would play, even on a fast internet connection. And now it seems like it plays almost instantaneously. Yeah, that's kind of the. Um, I think maybe that's kind of what's impressing me about Simplex as well. Now I don't know, you know, maybe the APIs are better on the Apple TV than you know than they previously were, or or, or something. But yeah, and the hardware too, right? The hardware with the. Uh, whatever video encoders they have and decoders oh uh, yeah definitely i mean as you say um everything just seems to load really really quickly whether it's netflix or you know simplex which is obviously that's loading a file across my network um you know that seems fine as well so yeah it's it genuinely is just a an impressive device i think what about uh gif tv i saw you i i haven't looked at that one yet either and i saw you added that just pretty recently to the notes this was one that i uh, I installed, opened up, and and my girlfriend kind of just gave me a look as if to say, "What on earth are you doing?" Um, <laughs> Gift TV. Um, there's actually two in the app store as well, both called Gift TV. Um, the one that I've downloaded, which I'd heard about first, was called uh, has a kind of an old TV static kind of background. If you're looking for it, um, I will link. We'll pop the uh, the developer's website in the show notes. Um, but GIF TV, it takes the the top 100 GIFs from uh, Giphy.com um, and just loops through them on your TV. Um, it just <laughs> it's kind of like a screensaver, I guess. Um, you can you can favorite GIFs, and that will give you a favorites uh, feed, so you can switch over to that. Um, and it will also do like random as well. Um, it, you know, it, it's not particular particularly useful, um, but it, you know, it's it's a, an interesting use uh, of the new hardware. Yeah, another one that I downloaded that I saw um, you linked to very early was Streaks, which is a um, just a, a simple work workout app. So I figured if I downloaded that to, that to my TV, I'd automatically get in good shape. That's pretty much how that works, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think you can get your money back if it doesn't. That's not a problem. Okay. Yeah, I think that was three dollars. So I was it was worth doing. I mean, it, it, I. I <laughs> Like I said, I will admit I downloaded it, looked at a couple of screens and shut it off to play a game. So I didn't, I haven't tried it for a workout yet, but it looked like a, a, a nice app in terms of just a variety of different kinds of exercises you can do. And it, I, I don't even know if it tracks um, what you do, but it's, um, it looks nice. Yeah. Again, I think that was a, an interesting uh, use case that I just, I don't think a lot of people had thought of uh, previously. Um, and the, the the last app I wanted to mention is um, this is not available in the in the app store right now uh, and, and and won't be, um, but it's called Auntie Player and this is a uh, a BBC iPlayer app that um, a couple of people built at a uh, a hack day a few a couple of weeks ago now, um, and it you know it 
I've installed it and, and I had to install it through Xcode and there was a few kind of signing issues and, and naming issues and things like that. But, you know, I managed to get it installed on the Apple TV um, just, you know, by plugging in through the uh, the USB uh, port. Um, but this this is another one of these apps that, you know, BBC iPlayer has, has famously never been on the Apple TV. Um, right. Their their solution always was, I'll oh, just AirPlay it from the iPhone or, or the iPad, which, you know, is obviously not a, the best solution in the world. Um, but the, but Auntie Player for now um, is great, and the BBC have, have said that an official version will be coming soon. Um, and it, it is possible that the app I'm using um, it may just stop working because they're kind of using private APIs and things like that. Um, so it's not not ideal, but you know, right now it works, and it's a nice kind of show of uh, probably what we can expect uh, from the the BBC iPlayer app. Certainly in the UK, anyway. Um, I know they're they've said they're working on a kind of uh, outside the uk version where you can pay but you know there hasn't hasn't been any movement on that right now yeah i do know if anti-player works outside of the uk i honestly don't know um it, it may be worth trying um it, it's it's not too fiddly i mean you know you're a developer you, you know you'd be able to get this installed no problem um i have set uh my my DNS so that I can get American Netflix um, and, and that works fine. So it may, it's possible that, that, that the BBC iPlayer uh, might work outside of the UK. I'm not too sure. Yeah. I, you know, it, it looks interesting. I mean, I think that's um, you'll never see that, that particular player on the uh, store. I don't think just because the BBC would probably shut it down. But if you have some experience with Xcode, it might be worth checking out and seeing how it works because um, I think, as you said, it's a little fiddly. I mean, Xcode is fiddly by its very nature. So, I mean, I suppose in that sense, it's not for the faint of heart um, to go download Xcode and try to install this on your television. But um, you you don't have to write any code. You just have to get all the settings right in order for it to compile and and see your Apple TV and then transfer over to your Apple TV. Yeah, um, as I say, like, well, as you say as well, you know, it's a little bit fiddly, but if if that's something that you're interested in and want to try out, um, we'll, we'll pop a link in the show notes as well. Um, so we wanted to, or, or certainly you, you know, you wanted to, and I've got a few questions for you about it. But Squibner is now a, a year old. Is that right today? Yeah, today. I mean, it's funny because you and I we normally record on a Sunday, um, but you're getting together with some friends tomorrow, so we decided to move the recording up to Saturday. Plus, with the Apple TV out, uh, we were both excited to start talking about it. And I was looking around. I don't know what actually triggered it in my mind. Um, maybe it's that it's my wedding anniversary, and I knew that I was doing this about one year ago today, too. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about um, Squibner, where it came from, and kind of where it's going. Uh, yeah, it's, it sounds really interesting, actually. And you say, um, you know, it, it kind of started in, in 2008. I mean, you're a, you know, you work as a lawyer by day. Um, where did this, um, you know, how did you get into, you know, iOS development and, and programming and stuff like that? I mean, it's, you know, you're talking 2008 was kind of seven years ago. I mean, what, what kind of uh, got you into it? Yeah, I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm actually late to the whole, um, the whole company. Uh, it, it started out really as Owen's thing, um, entirely Owen's thing. Although I was along for the ride and helping out as, as we went. So, you know, my original developer's account wasn't a Squibner, uh, developer account. It was a John Voorhees, uh, developer account because Owen was too young to have a developer account. I think you have to be 18. Um, so he was, he was 11 and wanted to learn how to program, uh, and iOS, you know, SDK, it was the iPhone SDK back then had just come out and, 
um, not really knowing any better. I pointed him in the direction of that and said, here, bang, you know, bang your head against this wall for a while and see if you can figure it out. Um, and after many, many months he did, um, those days were very difficult because the, I think for like the first nine months, the SDK was under an NDA. Um, so developers couldn't write about it. Um, they weren't supposed to talk about it. Uh, and the only way to, uh, that's where I think Twitter came in really handy because the only place people felt, uh, comfortable talking about it was on Twitter. Um, and those days, I think if you were already a Mac developer, you had a leg up because you understood kind of the basic APIs that were involved with the phone. Um, or if maybe you're in the jail, you're in the jailbreak community and you had uh, figured out what the APIs were before they were officially released. You had, you had some ability to, uh, to make an app, but for the most part, it was, it was a very difficult process because there were no books, there were no videos, there were no tutorials, there were no websites, there was nothing at all. Um, so the first part of <laughs> when this all started, it was mo mostly me looking for resources for him. Um, and over the years he released, um, three or four apps. Um, and I started dabbling in it here and there probably by 2010, 2011. Um, and didn't really, it just didn't really take for me. Um, you know, I went at it as a lawyer might go at this kind of problem by reading books and those are useful, but they're not really sufficient to figure out how to write an application. I mean, you can get, they're very good for the basics and getting an overview of how the APIs work and that sort of thing. Um, but really it wasn't until I dove in and actually had a project that I wanted to complete that I figured out, you know, how to actually create something. Um, so that's, you know, that, but that's me. I mean, for, for the longest time, this, this Scribner was really nothing but, um, but Owen's thing. Um, and the name's been there for a long time. It's just a made up word. And we, we came up with that primarily because, um, it's, it's easy to spell. It's hard to mess up Squibner. Um, you know, so it's, uh, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything other than it, it came, it popped into my head one day and it, and, and it seemed to work. It's kind of a strange name, but, um, works for me. So uh, you, you mentioned, um, that you kind of tackled it, um, it, in a lawyer way that you might, you know, by reading the books and things like that. Had you had any, uh, you know, programming experience, previous to this um it, you know on in any uh language or anything like that or was this purely you know you were helping owen um you know build his apps and then you you, you kind of just wanted to get into it a little bit more as well yeah uh, no i had no experience it was ground up for me learning from from scratch um i i think it helped that i started out by just kind of trying to find things for him and coming up with projects for him because the first thing he did was like a flashcard application for kids who are learning math um, and that was an idea that I helped him develop because it struck me as easy, um, both from a UI standpoint and just in terms of coding it and coming up with the mathematics and, and what, and whatnot it was. And, and it, and it turned out I was right. I think, um, he figured it out and it did, it did really well. There's a lot of interesting stories about those early days because he was a pretty young kid and, um, there were a lot, there was a lot of human interest stories surrounding the fact that he was doing that. But, um, so yeah, the, at the beginning, it was just me finding the resources for him. And then as, as I think the, probably the first, one of the first projects I did was it was, um, a command line project. I made a, an app that, that integrated with a status board by panic that went and scraped information off of, 
um, our local electric company's website and, and posted uh, what the current price for electricity was because we're on a, in a program where we pay basically the you know hourly price for electricity, which saves money if you can uh, shift your use of electricity when when it's cheaper. Um, so I created a status board that that would you know create a graph showing what the prices were, um, and that that was a very simple project that was just pulling down this data, manipulating it, and then displaying it through status board. Yeah, status board. Um you know now, now you bring it up is a nice I, I can imagine is a nice way to uh to get into it because they're relatively simple um in terms of what you need to pass the status board um so yeah i can see uh you know how that would be a good start um so what blink wasn't your first app uh that that, that you uh actually built for the app store was it no it wasn't um let me think about timing of all this um so let's see, it was the end of 2014 when we started uh, Squibner up and it was, um, God, now I'm forgetting the timing of all this. Oh, it was the, so it was, it was the beginning of 2014. Uh, and I had been in 2013, I went to WWC with Owen cause he got a scholarship, um, student scholarship to, to attend WWC. And that's probably where I guess I really, you know, I had dabbled a little bit before that, but then that had really, that's where it really, um, it really took for me because I met a bunch of developers, um, hung, hung around with them and I was able to go into Moscone with Owen, but I couldn't go into any of the, uh, into any of the, the sessions I was kept in like a parent's holding pen, which was super frustrating for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was walking around, I could see, you know, I think that was when they, the Mac pro came out. I could go see it in the glass case and I could see everything in the open areas and grab snacks and use their amazing, uh, you know, Wi-Fi and, and internet connections, but I couldn't go to any of the sessions. Um, so I would hang around for a while in this, in the parent pen, uh, and then I would go out and meet people and take Owen places, um, like the chieftain where all the developers hang out. Um, and we met a lot of people there and that's actually where I met, um, Matt Alexander and Mike Hurley for the first time. Um, and I was familiar with some of Mike's podcasts, but I wasn't not at that point. Um, I guess a regular listener is around the time he moved over to five by five. Uh, and one that I really, that, that caught on for me right after that was, was bionic. I started listening to that and I thought, Oh, this, you know, there was a lot of that show had a lot of, I guess, fan involvement, people, you know, Frank towers, um, making, making art for the show, uh, you making a, uh, a, a drink generator, Joe Steele writing, writing, you know, fake scripts for movies and TV shows. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I could make a soundboard for this. I could take clips of Mike and Matt and, and put them in an app and, and that shouldn't be too hard. That'd be a good project. So I started working on that. And so my first app, uh, it actually, it's not my first app. There's another one that's not available anymore, which was a, which was an awful, awful app, which I'll get to in a second, I guess. But, um, the first one that's still there right now is Volcano, which is just a simple set of buttons that allow you to play the suspense accents, which are built into, um, into GarageBand and then a, a random uh, clip generator in the middle that you can you can tap and, and listen to various funny things that those guys said during that podcast. So that's that's that kind of got me started. Yeah, that was a 
that was a fun one. I mean, I don't. I think at the time when that came out, um, I don't think me and you had, had chatted at that point. Um, but you know, I, I remember downloading it and, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" You know, I can annoy people with the sounds, which you know, much to my girlfriend's dismay, I did uh, constantly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really, I really got to find the time to update it because, it, embarrassingly, it's not updated for the larger phones. Um, Stephen Hackett still gives me grief about that every now and then. Uh, and, and I really want to do it for the watch so you can sneak up behind somebody and, and play, play the clip, uh, using your watch. Please do that, John, please. <laughs> <laughs> I got to find the time, maybe this winter. Cause you know, it's cold here in Chicago and I'll just be curled up in the basement all winter long and, and, uh, working on, working on the next iteration of, of Volcano. I actually did a, one app before that, um, for a short time, which was, um, uh, it was, Owen has one called log my run, which is just a really simple log book for runners, um, to track, you know, the exercises they do, the runs that they, that they do, uh, it doesn't have GPS or anything like that, but it's, it's like a diary in a, in a sense, and it generates graphs of, you know, your progress and so forth. But, um, I did a, a bit of a companion app at one point it was just a pace calculator. Uh, you could, you know, put in distance it basically solved for whatever variable you didn't put into it in terms of pace how you know how long would it take me you know how fast would i be going if i ran it ran 10k in 40 minutes that sort of thing um and it was not a good app it was a free app it wasn't very good i tried iads at first that was kind of a disaster because iads don't work unless you have hundreds of thousands of of downloads uh, i think i made maybe 40 cents um, and eventually I just didn't want to support it anymore and I took it off the store, but that was my, that was my very first one. And there was a big gap between that and doing the volcano app, but, um, I had more time on my hands starting in 2014. And I, so I used that time to try to figure out volcano and, um, very quickly from there started thinking about what the next thing would be. And that's what led me ultimately to, um, to blink, which I started, I think, uh, I guess I started it probably sometime in 2014, fairly or right, right, basically right after I um, released Volcano, I started Blink and I, I worked on it for a while, went to WWC, talked to a lot of people about it, got really mixed reviews as to whether that was something people would want or, or use, um, decided it was still worth taking the plunge, kept coding it, uh, completely threw it out in September of 2014 because um, Apple had released the split view controllers, which I knew would make it a lot easier for me to support both iPhone and iPad. So I threw out all the UI code and started from scratch and then just kind of cranked it out from the fall of 2014, um, until March, this past March when it actually came out. Um, and along the way, I guess it was sometime in the fall last year when I decided, you know, should we, should we kind of take this thing pro as I, as I like to think of it, um, which was the decision to, you know, we ought to have a real company. We ought to have a, a real legal entity. We ought to take this seriously. We ought to put some money into it. I ought to start thinking about marketing and all those sorts of things. So what, um, I mean, how's, how's it been since you, uh, since you released Blink? I mean, uh, you know, from, from my opinion, I mean, I've seen, you know, every time you do, uh, you know, a big update, I, I see, you know, a fair amount of coverage for it, you know, a Mac stories and things like that. Done very well. I couldn't be happier with how it's gone. Um, it's got a very, a relatively small, but very dedicated user base. Um, and I, you know, I've thought about maybe expanding it out to the Mac. That's a possibility that I might do in the future. I think that that would, um, there would be even more, uh, use if it, if it had a Mac component to it. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. I, uh, you know, you have to kind of, I think you have to kind of define for yourself what, what success looks like on a project. Um, and with the way the, the state of iOS right now, um, financial success, you're going to be very frustrated if you, you put out an app and, and hope that it's going to, you know, your first app's going to be one that lets you quit your job and make you hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's just not going to happen except one, you know, maybe once in a million times. But, uh, the, the learning that I've done, learning how to code in, in Coco, um, and build the business and the marketing that all has been, that all has been, um, super valuable. Um, and it, you know, it kind of goes to, it goes to something that uh, I think David Smith said during his talk, which is, you know, he, his whole point was find your superpower and his superpower, as he put it, was that he knows how to do just enough work to be, to have a successful app without doing too much work. Um, he talked about how, when he was in high school, he knew how to get an A, but just barely an A. Uh, so he didn't have to do the extra work. And that comes in real handy when you're someone like him who has, um, has dozens of apps on the store, uh, cause he's only one guy and he needs to use his time really wisely in order to keep all those balls in the air at one time. I mean, one thing that I've, um, I've benefited from. I mean, at first I, th I, I viewed the day job as kind of a liability and it is in some sense because, you know, I, in order to make these apps, I got to, I get up at five in the morning and code for a while. And then I you know, take some time at lunch and I do it again at night. Um, and I juggle various things, the marketing and other parts of the business along the way. And it's, that's hard. On the other hand, I have the advantage that I have a steady income, uh, outside of making apps. And I do use that to my advantage. I mean, we've basically poured mo basically every dollar that we've made this year back into some sort of marketing, which I think, you know, I think far too often that sort of thing is ignored by developers and, and they need to think about it more, uh, because even if it doesn't result in uh, dollar for dollar sales, there is a benefit to raising awareness. As you said, I mean, you've, you've noticed, um, blink getting a lot of coverage and part of it, you know, there's no. There's no, you know, there, that's not by mistake. I mean, the, it's written about by websites because they like it, but I make sure they know about it um, through a number of different channels, just writing to them. Uh, but we've also sponsored podcasts. We've sponsored websites. We've done a bunch of other, other things to try to raise awareness of both Blink, but also some of the other apps that we've got. Yeah, I think you've done a, you know, as you say, you, you've poured a lot of money into, uh, you know, marketing as well. And, and I think, you know, that, that that's good because, as I say, like I hear about it, I hear about it on podcasts or, I, you know, I see it on a website being written about or, you know, being you sponsored to websites and things like that. Um, you know, and I, it sounds like you're you're doing what I would expect somebody to do. I mean, I, you know, I do hear some, as you say, some developers, maybe they forget about the market inside of it and just hope that they can just dump it in the app store and, and, and it will get found. But, you know, I think we, we both know that that's, um, that that's not very likely to happen. Um, so you, what, um, what are the, the, the plans for the future? I mean, you mentioned the, uh, possibly a, a Mac version of Blink. Um, I mean, I guess maybe that's, that's probably as far as you can take Blink in terms of platforms. Um, if you've got any other kind of apps in, in the, in the pipeline or, or are you just focusing on blink right now? 
well, I think we're going to focus on Blink for another another you know twelve months or so. I mean, it's going to need to be it, it's going to continue to be supported um, for whatever changes there are um, to the iPhone and the APIs, so that it's it's you know um, continues to be a modern app. So I mean that that'll continue to happen. Um, I'm getting to the point with the iOS. Um, version that I don't think that there's going to be until there's some sort of API change or something, there aren't going to be that many changes. So, um, yeah, I think I may, I may try the Mac, no promises, but I may, uh, bring it over to the Mac possibly. Um, and I've got some other ideas for, um, kind of spreading the word about, about, um, affiliate linking to other industries beyond, I mean, I think developers understand it. I think bloggers understand it, but I think, um, I think more podcasters could benefit from using affiliate linking and other, other types of people. Um, and so, I mean, that's probably been the biggest challenge with that app is that before you even get to explain to someone why they should spend $5 on your app, you have to explain to them what the affiliate program is. Um, it doesn't get a lot of attention, I think, um, in a lot of quarters. So I think I'm going to spend some time this next year also just re- trying to raise awareness a little bit about the benefits of affiliate linking on iTunes um, as a way of driving sales of the existing app. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a good plan. I mean, as you say, um, what you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, right now the app has a, a fairly uh, small but dedicated market. And, and, you know, if you can get uh, some more people on board with affiliate linking and things like that, then, uh, then yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I think that takes us to uh, to the end of the uh, the Squibner section. Yeah, yeah. If we ever get um, if we ever get links to these Apple TV apps, you can uh, you can use your affiliate code for that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Absolutely. To be fair, that uh, that was a you know a little bit disappointing, um, and and you know still is right now because you know that was kind of you know part of the point of it was you know I could link to the apps and you know maybe make a little bit of money. Um, but you know I, I you know I'm going to continue doing it because I think it is a, a useful resource for people. Yeah, and hopefully that, that that'll show up in the next, I don't know, week, two weeks, whatever, it might show up, and then you can kind of swap out those links so people can go straight to the store, which would be great, and maybe like make a little little money along the way for your, your efforts, which is uh, you know definitely appreciated because I, like, I really like the, uh, the site. It's been really great. Um, one last thing I wanted to back up for a second. You mentioned you know discoverability in the store. It's really interesting. I was um, talking to the Relay guys at uh, Release Notes, and... Their app was live and on the store for, um, I think about 24 hours before they actually announced it publicly with, from, you know, via their blog and their shows and whatnot. Um, and I asked them how many people that found it and downloaded it. And I think it was fewer, I think they said it was fewer than 10. I mean, it was definitely just a handful and that just gives you an idea. I mean, I, that was an app that had been announced just that it was in the, in the works months before and got a fair amount of, um, excitement going around it. Uh, and yet almost nobody found it in advance. So yes, that was, that just, that, that to me just kind of demonstrates the need for finding a way to get your, your apps in front of people, which is also why I'm kind of disappointed in the way the Apple TV setup is working because I just have, I just, um, have a hard time believing. I, I just know from having used it myself that scrolling around that front page is super easy, but you, you you think, oh, now I got to go and do up the search, and then I got to go tap in these letters, and unless you're highly motivated and thinking about the app that you really want right then, um, you, there's no there's not a good way to browse. They really needs to get the categories going at least. Yeah, I mean, on, on that actually, uh, I, I did see a couple of mentions. Uh, I think it was uh, Steve 
Troughton Smith, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, uh-huh. he, he was saying that uh, there, there are some categories on the on the uh, Apple uh, the Apple TV app store because uh, he's been kind of hacking around in the back end. Um, there's some categories that just have like one or, or maybe two apps. Um, so it's possible that maybe they're waiting for those, those categories to be um, a little bit more filled up before they uh, before they release them. Yeah, I saw um, Mike and Federico talking about that. I heard them talking about it on virtual yesterday. So uh, I think that's a reasonable supposition. I don't know. So Rob, um, with that little bit of history of Squibner, I hope people find it interesting. I mean, obviously I find it interesting. um, But we like to close our shows not on on kind of a serious history lesson, but more on uh, little tidbits and weird things we've seen around the internet in the last couple of weeks. And you're particularly good at finding this stuff. I mean, I I have to hand it to you. You find all kinds of interesting things. But this first one is, I, I saw you and Brian Hamilton tweeting about this back and forth is, is that I forget when it was, but what was like three weeks ago? He tweeted at you. He sent you an at reply and then you got notifications about it over and over and over and over again for days. Yeah. I, I can't remember the, uh, the context of the, uh, of the, of the conversation, but yeah, it's essentially, I was having a conversation with him and, uh, Kyle, Seth Gray and, and Brian tweeted back to me, uh, saying, how is your, how's your CES? Uh, which is a, a reference to a, an in joke on, uh, on an old episode of bionic, uh, bionic 73. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, and, and, you know, it was fine. It was funny. I favorited it. We all moved on with our lives. Um, and then I would get a notification that about for that at reply probably once every six or seven hours for about probably a week. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of spoke to, to Tweetbot and, and, you know, they re- they replied and said, you know, try clearing your account cache and restarting the phone and the app and things like that. And I, I tried that a few times and, and it didn't help. And it, eventually i think about a week ago it actually stopped um but it was just a kind of amusing um amusing thing to happen because every time it would come in i would screenshot it and send it to brian uh, as if he was doing it over and over again which obviously he wasn't all right right now I, I, did you ever get a sense for what was going on or what happened do you think it was tweetbot was it the notification system any any sense of that at all um, I mean, no, I mean, I've, I've certainly got no evidence for it. I mean, my guess would be, um, cause you know, my other notifications were coming through fine. Um, so my guess would be that, um, it, it probably just, uh, just got caught up in the, the notification system somewhere between Twitter and Tweetbot servers. Um, you know, it's just, just something was happening in between those two where it would just send this particular one over and over again. Right. Yeah. That, I, I thought it was funny watching you say- <laughs> post those those screenshots over and over again that of brian asking how your ces is over and over all day long i i like that it was that tweet as well uh, that it you know it was something that's kind of just this weird in joke that most people won't get but it, you know it was amusing to me that it kept going through yeah um the other thing was uh local people angry local people in portsmouth have, have emerged once again because they've lost their postmark right oh they, they are angry john um what do they get that they're getting the southampton one now yeah so just to explain this so uh you know we have a royal mail i think we spoke about this you know it's our equivalent of kind of the you know united states postal service they have a a sorting office here in portsmouth uh that is now closed um so any post that, that gets sent from here it gets sent to southampton and it's it's dealt with there um so the, the the stamp that they put on 
you know, a, a letter or anything that kind of says when it was posted. Um, or any letters now uh, just say they're sent from Southampton uh, rather than Portsmouth. I mean, you know, I'm saying this to you now, I'm explaining it, and I'm thinking, that sounds fine. You know, <laughs> does it really sound like a problem? Does it sound like a problem to you, John? <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's one of those things uh, that people identify, you know, they want their mail to be from where they come, where they come from, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know... It, it's the reason it closed, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, a lot of people, uh, I think, uh, lost jobs, which is, is quite sad. Um, but as a side effect of that particular sorting office closing, you know, that there, there is no uh, kind of postmark for Portsmouth now. Now, it, in and of itself, maybe this is a little bit of a news story. Um, but there are some quotes in, in this article from various local people that are fantastic um there is uh our local uh mp uh, that's uh our, our member of parliament for uh portsmouth south um said uh, that's bad news i want my letter to come from portsmouth not southampton um and and she and she said it's dis it's, she's disappointed because it's important that people know where their post is coming from um i, I mean <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you could open the uh, letter and then you know who it was coming from and where they're from right uh, yeah I'd, yeah there's another quote here um a, a man uh simon uh from haven't says uh it's a tragedy for the era tragedy is the word he used to describe this that's <laughs> a little over the top uh, yeah it is a little bit um I, I i'm honest i'm not sure where they find these 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 people um i mean I, I can only imagine they just ask lots of people and when they get the quotes that they want uh, that they just kind of pop them in the news story. Well, I'm kind of hoping they all hang out at the same coffee shop or something, and we can send you down there sometime and ask all sorts of outrageous questions and get some good quotes, and then we could make a, do a whole spinoff on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my my my, my favourite quote. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, it was Simon again. Um, he said he tested it by posting a letter to himself, and it had a Southampton stamp. He he went out of his way to post himself a letter just to prove his <laughs> go, point. Right, go find, go buy a stamp and send it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we may end up in the same boat. Our our local post office, I, it, it's for sale. The the federal government is sell, selling post offices all over the country, and this came up a few years ago, and it still hasn't been sold. Um, but there may be a day when you know you can't get uh, you can't get get mail from our town with its postmark either well there you go maybe i'll start uh i'll see if i've got any envelopes around with the portsmouth postmark on it or uh, maybe it'll be worth <laughs> worth some money in a few years yeah exactly <laughs> um, but i i'm gonna put a link to this this news story in the show notes and uh and and you know do yourself a favor and go to this and just read some of these quotes because these people are so angry about something that has basically no consequence to their lives whatsoever <laughs> All right, it's just a stamp on an envelope. No, I, I saw you tweet these whenever it was, like a week ago or so, and I thought they were really they were really hilarious. I usually wake up in the morning to all your your strange tweets because they you tend to do them early in the morning. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that's probably it for this week. Uh, we a little bit yep. of a longer show than usual, um, but I hope hope people enjoy it. Um, we have had a couple of reviews in iTunes. Um, so if uh, you know we enjoy reading those, so if you uh, if you like the show, uh, go rate us on iTunes. That'd be great. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at rmlewisuk, or my website is roblewis.me. And John, where can people find you? At at John Voorhees on Twitter, and then the website is squibner.com, where you'll see King Me and all the other apps we make. Fantastic! And we will be back in two weeks.
Great. Thanks. See you soon, Rob. See you later, John.